instructions. Everybody said amen. Awesome. We're going to get right into 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 1. It simply says this, that it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. Verse 2, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great, and they did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came into the city, and there it was, burned with fire, their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Abimelech's son, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Could you say that last part with me? Recover all. This is like a preacher's like verse right here. I mean, this is good all by itself. This morning, but we're going to get into the word about what it looks like to be able to have a family, to be able to have a marriage, to be able to have a relationship that can stand the fight, that can stand the fight. So let's let's pray together and ask God to speak to us today, um, this morning. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we're here today asking for you to speak to us. Lord, I'm so limited in what I can say in my own ability, God. Lord, what I have is just water unless you turn it into wine. So, God, would you do the miraculous here today? Would you speak to us today, Lord, about this subject, this topic, Lord, that's so close to all of our lives, all of our hearts, and, and would you speak to us today? Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said amen. I want to title this message today, Don't Forget to Lock the Door. Could you say that with me? Don't forget to lock the door the door. That's the thing that my wife says to me, I think, every night before we go to bed. Did you lock the door? Anybody, can I get a witness from any of the men in the house? Your wife wants to know if you locked the door. Because, man, when you get to be an adult, you worry about uh, people coming in on you in the middle of the night. I, uh, I grew up out in the country in western Kentucky, and we didn't lock our doors. We, we, it was so common just to be able to go out and I mean, all of our all of our neighbors are friends and family, and now it's like, man, it's like four locks on all the doors, and you're worried about it. When we uh, first when we uh, bought our first house together, we were living in Florida at the time, and we were it's like one of our first few nights in our in our uh, new house that, where we were living there. We lived in the Orlando area, and now it's from a small town, and we kind of moved to a larger city there, and it was our new house, and one of our first nights. And I'll never forget it because Carol uh, leaned over to me in the night and said, there's somebody in our house. And I was like, say what? She said, there's somebody in our house. And you talk about like somebody being raised from the dead. I'm like, Shh, you know, straight up in the bed. But we were, we were still unloading the house, so we had boxes everywhere. I didn't know where anything was. I don't even think I had a gun at the time. I don't know what I, don't know what I had. All I know is that I couldn't find my glasses, which I'm blind without. <laughs> New house, no glasses, blind, and, and I had a curtain rod that was had not yet been hung up that was just kind of within, you know, within grass. So here I am through the middle of the in the middle of the night, new house, walking through, holding a curtain rod like I'm about to go Louisville slugger on somebody coming through our house. I walk into the kitchen and say, Hello, is anybody there? 
as if the burglar's going to say, what's up? Yeah, I just was wanting some bread. Like, where are you, anybody here? And and uh, so and I'm terrified out of my mind. I'm trying to be the man. I'm trying to look like I, I know what I'm doing, but I have no clue what I'm doing. Uh, but, but I'm just there. And then I realize that this new house had a sprinkler system outside that activated randomly in the middle of the night and had made noise sounding like somebody was in our kitchen but they weren't thank god i don't know if you've ever had a close encounter in the middle of the night about uh someone coming in not knowing if they're coming in or not but but you, you can identify a little bit with 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 that fear of of of, lo- of making sure that the doors are locked see nobody would go in their just normal everyday life and say hey it's time for bed. Hey, honey, did you leave the door open? Yeah, I did. I left the door open tonight. Okay, awesome. Well, let's, are the kids, okay, let's go to bed then. No, nobody does that. Everybody makes sure the doors are locked, not make sure the doors are open. Because nobody in their right mind would just open up all the doors and windows of their house and be like, man, I'm going to sleep like a baby tonight. But too many times, I think relationally, we leave some major doors open in our family. We leave some major doors unlocked and really gives the enemy free reign to come into our lives, to come into our homes, to come into our families, to come into our relationships. I think a lot of times it's just because we're unaware. David, in this passage that we read, literally the enemy came in and stole his family away. And I just want to say today, don't uh, be surprised by the reality that you're, you have an enemy. I have an enemy. That, that there are one thing, there's one thing that both God and the devil agree on, and that's the value that you have in their kingdom. The enemy is not passive. He's, we're in a battle. We are in a warfare for our family. Just look at the news. Look at what's happening in our nation. There's a fight against marriage. There's a fight against family. And I want to talk today, how do we shut some doors? David left some doors open, and I just... I just want to give you two quick things about this story as I was studying this week. First of all, David left the door open because David was distracted. David was distracted. We live in a world of distracted drivers. I was on 40 the other day, and <laughs> my wife and I were behind someone, and we literally got over, and, and their whole, like, they were looking down, and, like, I don't know if it was an iPad or, like, what was happening in their front seat, and we were like, oh, my goodness, that person is literally not looking at anything on the road. It's just distracted. But how many times in our family are we distracted from, from what really matters? David was he, the reason he was three days away from home in this passage that we read in 1 Samuel, David, King David. I mean, this is somebody with potential and power and anointing. This is an incredible man of God. If it will happen to him, it will happen to us. And he was three days away distracted because he was trying to get in a league with his enemies. He was trying to actually make a treaty with the Philistines. And you just got to watch it. You, when you look to the enemy, when you look to the world, if, you, if I could say it that way, when we look to the world for our affirmation and for our, for our provision, you just watch. In that sense of distraction, the enemy is going to try to steal our families. That when, when, when we look to the world to bring that significance, to bring that protection, to bring that peace, that's what David was doing. Then whenever he started doing that, the enemy started taking his family three days away. He was distracted. Here's the second thing. He was deceived. David was deceived. Man, it's so easy to be deceived in the area of success, specifically with our family and marriages. It's so easy to spend our life on the wrong fight. That's what David was doing. David had spent his life, he was spending his life trying to 
get in a league with the Philistines that would fight a battle miles and miles away, and he was deceived that the real victory was waiting for him at his house. My fear in life is not failure, but it's success at things that don't really matter. It's succeeding at things in life that do not really matter. There's so many things that the world says, man, this is what success looks like, and at the end of the day, it's just, it's just deception. It's not even success. It, it, it's not even significant. So many of us, we, we're, we're told that we have to have some status of lifestyle in order to be happy. So, so we work and we strive and we strive and we strive so hard that we leave our family open. I've seen people literally move cities, move towns, oh, and, and, and with, with literally no thought whatsoever about how is this going to affect my family spiritually. Just, fi- just, just going after a few thousand more dollars a month, and I'm just preaching very real and honest today, but I love you. And, and, and understand, at the end of the day, your spiritual life is the most important part of you. And David, I believe, shows us when you get distracted about the things of the world, and that doesn't mean we don't go from place to place. It doesn't mean we don't advance it. I'm not saying that whatsoever, but we make sure that we're fighting the right victory first, and then all the other victories come out of that victory. It, it, it's in our homes. It's in our families. That's where the fight takes place. So, so David, talk to us a little bit. Yeah, I, I just think if, if we could just kind of get in that moment of where David was, that, that he... He was such an incredible man. That's what I want to say. Just because you're called of God, just because you've been used of God in great ways, does not mean the enemy's not going to try to come steal some things along the way. And David, the Bible says, he wept until he couldn't weep anymore. And I didn't read this part, but his, his comrades, his friends that were loved him, they literally tried to pick up stones and kill him. And if David could say to us, I think he would just say to us, whatever you can do, Whatever it takes, make sure you lock the door. Whatever it takes, make sure that you don't leave any room for the enemy to come in and take away your family. Make sure you lock the door, City Hills. Make sure that there's no room, there's no area. He says, I was just so stupid. I was distracted, and I, well, I was just deceived trying to be successful and trying to, man, I was in relationship and doing business with people. I had no business doing it, just searching after a little bit of protection. But if he could say, he'd say, just make sure you lock the door. So I want to talk today about six doors that we need to lock, where I believe these doors are open doors that the enemy can easily get in to our relationships easily get into our dating relationships. I'm going to talk a lot to married people here today, those of us that are married, where the enemy really tries to get in in some of these doors. And I just want us, I, I just wish I had six, ma- I, I, was, I was about to get six doors up here this week, but then I realized there would be no room for the band. You know, there would be no room for anybody else. So when God gives us a bigger stage, I'll preach this again, and we'll have all six of them up here. But, but, but if you could just imagine with me six different places, you know, like my house, I have I have, I have three places that you can kind of enter in, and, and they got to make sure they're all locked up. So I want to talk about six air aspects of our life and family that we need to make sure the door, I mean, just slammed shut, locked, dead bolted, even the little thing that, like at your grandma's house, make sure you put that one on there too. All of the locks on the doors. Here, here's the first way that we lock the door is we lock the door spiritually, the spiritual door of our home. This is a big deal that the, the scripture is so clear 
about unbelievers not being unequally yoked, I mean, believers not being unequally yoked with unbelievers. And, uh, and I think sometimes, especially those of us that are single, we kind of get this kind of perspective about our lives from time to time. We, we, you, know, we're, we're, you know, we're pure, we're clean, we're, we're, we're worshiping God, we're serving God with all of our heart, and, uh, and, 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 and we're like, God, I'm just going to stay. I'm going to wait. I know you got that right person for me. I'm just going to stay in the name of Jesus. I'm going to wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay. Pastor said it's better, better to late, wait long than marry wrong. So I'm just listening to that advice. I love it. And then after about three single awareness days, i.e. Valentine's days alone, you, you used to be saying, God, I, I want somebody that's in love with you, Jesus. I want someone who has, I mean, they've been to the cross. They understand the power of the cross. And then after about three times alone, you're like, I just want somebody that's got a tattoo of a cross. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and, and, and we, and we, 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 we meet somebody, we come into contact with somebody that they're not like us. They, 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 don't, they don't know Jesus like we know Jesus. They're, we're, we're, we're tempted to settle. We say things like this, well, we, we, we move a little bit closer, and we say, you know what, I may be the only Jesus they'll ever see. You know what, I saw a walk to remember, and Mandy Moore, she, she sure did something, she changed that man, and you know, I, I think I can do it too, you know, beauty and the beast, you know, it's, it's a real thing, you know, and so, so I got this new evangelism style, it's called flirt to convert, so we go and it's going to help somebody. We go and we start trying to pour our Jesus into their life. And then we realize we can't change them. Then we try to pour more in, and then the only thing we're left is empty. But then you get so close, they start pouring themselves into you. Ooh, 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 I'm preaching good today. I've seen so many relationships that this is exactly what happened. Because the spiritual door was left open. Well, if they love Jesus, it may be all right. But, you know, I think I can change them. I think I can do it. And I've seen so many young ladies go after guys they shouldn't be going after. And they change you more than you can ever change them. This will set somebody free. I said it last week as well. But you cannot change anyone. Only Jesus can change people. But you can't allow Jesus to change you. So here's what you do. You take that person and you allow them to go through the filter of Christ. You, it, before you date them, before you get in a relationship with them, you allow them to go through the filter first. And you put them through the filter of Christ and, and the filter of the Holy Spirit before you allow. And if you realize it doesn't come out very quickly... It takes a little time. And the reality is, until it's through the filter, it's not ready for the relationship that you want. I just hope this helps somebody because this is a gate. This is a door that many times we leave open in our single lives. And we say, well, I'm just kind of in it for whoever, you know, whoever I have that chemistry with, whoever I have that love for. And if I could just encourage students, young adults, this, this is the way that we live for God. We give our heart, whole hearts completely to Him and we don't settle for less than what God has for our lives. And, and this doesn't just end whenever we're dating. This is, this is us whenever we're married as well. Here's the question. Is there one spouse in the house that is on fire for God and the other one is just kind of along for the ride? If so, that's an open door. 
Is there one of you that you're reading your Bible and you're, man, you're up for going to church and then the other one's like, I don't know, it's raining outside. I don't really know. I'm not, you know, I'm kind of one foot in, one foot out. I want to say that's a door. That's an open door. The scripture says this, Psalm 92, 13, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. So the only way that we flourish is when we're planted spiritually in the house of God. So in other words, church, it's not even a question. That small group, not even a question. Serving, being involved. Why? It's not even a question. Why? Because I want my family planted in the house of God so that whenever the enemy tries to come, the door has been locked. There's no room. Every Sunday is not going to speak to your heart. There's going to be some Sundays you're like, oh, well, I guess that was okay. You know, I just, but, but, there, but, but if you make a practice of consistently making your family be in the house of God, there's going to be a moment when the enemy comes knocking and that door is going to be so closed and you're going to get a word from God that will change your destiny. Yeah. Here's how we lock the door. Put God first. Put God first. What do you do in your home? And don't let this just be a church thing. Let's let this be, what do you do in your home? Do you put God first? Are you reading the scripture together? This is a simple way. The book of Proverbs, as we've been doing as a church family, this is so simple. As a family, is God first or is God just, well, if we got extra time, it's a door. Lock the door. Here's the second door. Hope this helps today. The second door, lock the door financially. Financially. Finances are one of the leading causes of stress in, in marriage, and all the married people said amen. 35% of people experiencing marital difficulty that are leading to divorce is because of finances. The average home in America, the average family has statistically about $8,377 of debt. $8,377 of debt. I figured up how many... Families. I don't know how many families were here last weekend. I know there were about 441 people at church here last weekend. And so I figured maybe 250 families, maybe, maybe more, maybe less. But, so that means just, just at City Hills Church alone, that's over $2,094,250 of debt. Here's the deal. It's a door. You could have a spiritual walk with God that you're praying, but if you don't have the door of your finances closed for the enemy not to walk in and you're so indebted that you don't have the ability to even say yes to God or to say yes to a date or to say yes to time alone or all these things because there's no plan, there's no thing, there's nothing. These are principles from God's word that I just want to encourage you shut the door. How do we shut the door in the area of our finances? It's simply this have a plan. Have a plan together. That in in, in your marriage there's probably going to be one of you that's man, fired up about this kind of stuff and the other one that's not. And that's just because opposites attract. And then when you're married, opposites attack. Come on, somebody. You know, that's true. She's so organized. And then you get married, it's like, she is controlling. He's just such a free spirit. I just love him. He's so much fun. He's just so amazing. And you get married, and he's like, he is the laziest, no good. I, I, we're going to do a whole series about this pretty soon, but but here's the reality. A budget is not a dirty word. <laughs> it's something that gives you the power to shut the door in some of these areas of our finances, and you, you, you put together a plan. 
At City Hills, one of the things we've done since the very beginning is we offer Financial Peace University. This is a small group that's actually just starting right now, and you're not too late to jump in it. You can just go to our website, cityhills.com, hop in one of our Financial Peace small groups. If this is an area of your life where all you're fighting consistently about finances and just you're living on edge consistently as a family about finances, if I could just say that that's not God's will for your life. That's not God's will for your family. And we want to help you. And I don't pretend in five minutes to say that I can... That can give you all the answers. That's why we have financial peace. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It, this shows you a little bit of what God wants to do in the area of your finances. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's what we talk about that every single Sunday. A tithe is just simply a tenth of your increase. This is just an Old Testament principle that God gives us. And watch what it says. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there is not room enough to store it in other words God says hey I got a better plan for your finances I want to bless your life I I want you to shut the door so that you can say yes the scripture says in the book of Proverbs that the borrower is slave to the lender and so we want to help you get out of slavery so that you can be free to do what God's called you to do as a family shut the door could you say that with me shut the door Shut the door and lock it. Have a plan for your finances as a family. Have a plan. My, my, my goal is not to just answer all of these in just a few minutes, but, but hopefully let the Holy Spirit say, say to you, what is the door that you need to shut? Because I doubt for every one of us it's all of us. It may be one or two of these. Here's the third door to shut. The door the enemy comes in is uh, romantically shut the door. Romantically. Somebody's like, oh yeah, I'm excited about this. Here's how you do that. I'm going to go ahead and give you the principle how to do it. You, you meet your spouse's needs. This is specifically for our married folk in the house. I will meet my spouse's needs. I will meet their needs. Uh, romance is that private time with focused attention, meeting the needs of your spouse. And we think of romance, that romance is more than a candlelight dinner in a movie. I want to talk about romance from the perspective of meeting the needs of of your spouse. See, we all have different needs. Ladies have different needs than the guys in the house. And I want to share with you some of the needs that I saw recently. I was reading a book by Jimmy Evans, so good, called Marriage on the Rock. I would totally recommend it. He just quickly goes through four needs of a woman versus four needs of a man. And I just kind of want to walk through what he says uh, statistically are four needs of a woman. The first is security. Security. That not just physical security, but on a deeper level, emotional security in the relationship and as, as a person. Security. Number two, non-sexual affection. First service, the women like shouted me down on that one. <laughs> they got way too excited about that. He said essentially a, a affection without a motive, just, just a, a loving touch, a kiss. I, I, I saw a statistic years ago. I live by it. It's, it's gospel to me. But it says uh, that men live five years longer that kiss their wives every morning. So praise God. Live long and prosper, everybody. One of the best ways to show affection is to simply let your spouse know, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you. It could be a text message. It could be a call in the middle of the day. I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you. The, the third thing is open communication. Women speak 13,000 more words a day than men. Some of the guys wanted to say amen on that one. 
13,000 more words a day. And men, we specialize in one word answers. I mean, we're, we're can be short and sweet and to the point. And this is a need. This is a need of ladies. All the ladies said, amen, in the house. You want your man to talk to you, to let you know what's going on. If you say, how was your day? You wanted to start with at 6.05. I became conscious, and then I decided, I think I need to go get some coffee, and the coffee was about half out. We needed to get some more coffee grounds, so then I went. You want to hear all of the details about life. You want to connect. You want that open communication. I'm helping you out, ladies. Here's the fourth thing, leadership. This isn't some kind of chauvinistic uh, thing, but simply to say this, that men, it's so easy for us to take a passive role in our relationship, in our marriage, in a passive role with our kids. Kids ask, hey, can somebody come over? Well, ask your mother. Hey, can I go? Can we buy this? Ask your mother. What are we having for dinner? Ask your mother. You know, everything is, is that, and it's so easy for men to just check out and take a passive role, and what the book was saying is simply this, that women want a man to be able to ha- to step up and, and, and direct and help lead the family and to say, hey, we're going to go to church. We're going to serve God. Here's what we're going to do as, as, as a family with our marriages. This is who we're going to be. That, that not just mom is disciplining the kids, not just mom is doing everything, but, but, but dad is doing this together, that men lead in romance in the home, that men lead in the walk with God. This is, a, this is a desire. This is a, this is a need. And this may be a great conversation to have. And, man, I'm going to help you out right here because I know what the four needs of a man are. This is good stuff. I'm blessing somebody here today. I may be blessing myself. Here's the first thing. Honor, honor, honor. The first need of a man is honor. To be respected. To, to, for, for, for their wife to say, I'm proud of you. Man, it will... You, you tell your man you're proud of him, it will make him do something. He will, I mean, he will, like my wife, I'm carrying groceries in. She's like, wow, I didn't know you could carry that many groceries in. I'm like, well, as a matter of fact, I can carry the kids and the car itself, and I'll just take it all in the house. You know, there's something when there's something in the heart of a man that just, when, that just wants that honor, that wants that respect. If I could just give you a tool, learn to say wow instead of saying how. <laughs> Instead of saying how, I'll say wow. You know, whenever he says, hey, I've just had this idea, you know, and I've, I, I really want to you know, start this business. I really want to do this. Instead of being like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Instead of saying how, I'll say wow. Honey, I, I believe in you. You, my man. You can do this. You just watch. What it, will, what it will do when you start speaking to the potential that's inside of that person. Women, you have so much power that you may not even realize to be able to speak life in the potential. I've seen women not even knowing what they're doing. Maybe it's just something they got from their, from their parents or something they got growing up or an insecurity in their own heart. Tear down their husbands publicly. Ladies, you're only hurting yourself because if you'll speak to the potential inside of your man, God, you just watch what God does as you meet those needs. Here's the second need of a man, sex. Seven billion people on the planet. We all know how they got here because God gave men this desire. We're going to talk, spend a whole Sunday talking all about this. But simply, I just want to make this point. When a, when a, woman, when a man turns off communication, which is very easy for us to do, when a man turns off communication to a woman, it's just like a woman turning off intimacy to a man. And it's, it's hard to realize that because a man can, man, 
can not have some deep conversation, you know, for a couple weeks and be like, yeah, we're in love. Yeah, absolutely. We're so in love. But the intimacy turn off and say, man, she, she hates me. We're not in love anymore. We're not, everything's wrong. Why? Because it's a need. Because it's the way God put it inside of us. The third need of a man in the book was fellowship. That I don't know why dudes like being with dudes out in the woods, you know, just in the cold in a tree stand somewhere or out on a boat fishing or watching a football game. There's just something about a guy that just wants to have an adventure with his, you know, with his friends. There's just something that's, that's a need on the inside. And as this is such a cool point. I thought I just wanted to bring it out is that, that, that ladies, whenever you go along on some of the adventures, it meets a need like nothing else in your husband. Whenever you say, hey, you know, I don't know anything about hunting, but I'm going to get me some camo, and I'm going to make it happen. Maybe you do. Maybe you love that. Maybe that's your thing. I don't know. I'm not trying to just paint with such a broad brush, but simply this. Whatever it is, let's do this together, and let's meet some needs along the way. Let's watch the game, even though you don't like the game. Let's let, you know, do these things and just watch. I love when my wife goes hiking with me. It's a blast. It's the coolest thing whenever we're doing that together. And the fourth thing is domestic support. In other words, a, a lady is the only person that knows how to take a house and turn it into a home. That's so true in my, in my life. Proverbs 5, verse 18 says, May your fountain be blessed. As we read this this week in our, in our reading, May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breath satisfy you always, and may you ever be captivated by her love. We read that this week. I told my wife I was going to put it in the notes, and I did. And here's the, here's the truth, that, that this is a door. This is a door that if we don't make some decisions to, to meet each other's needs and shut the door emotionally, not just, but, but emotionally meet the needs, some of these things that I lined out a little bit here today, this is a door that the enemy can jump in and cause infidelity, all kinds of things. When the enemy comes in, it's because sometimes the door is not locked. Here's the fourth thing, verbally. We need to verbally shut the door. I believe many of our marriages are suffering. Many of our personal lives are suffering because of the weapon of our words. Could you say that with me? My words are a weapon. One more time. My words are a weapon. Some people pride themselves in saying, well, I just say whatever I think. I just, I just say whatever I think. Just whatever I say, whatever I think, that's what I say. I'm just authentic. I am just real. Well, I would just say you are authentically really dumb if you're doing that. Because here's the reality. Your words are a weapon. They're a weapon. What would happen if in this place I brought one of my guns from my house and I just started waving it wherever I wanted to just, oh, well, I just feel like bringing it up here on stage. I just feel like, well, I just, you know, just wave it wherever I want to and do it. There would be men in this church that would take me off this platform. There would be men in this church that would say that that would take me down. Why? Because that weapon has power. If you come over my house, it's not just sitting out. It's behind a lock and key. Why? Because that weapon has power, and your words have power. I just wanted to encourage somebody today. Your words have power, and when you speak negativity, and whenever you speak negativity over your life and over your family and over your finances and over all these aspects of your life, what are you doing? You are shooting your own destiny. You are destroying the future that God has prepared for your life. It's a weapon. And some of us are verbally destroying one another. We are fighting and we are saying things about one another. And we're, we're just speaking whatever we feel. And if I could just encourage us, stop it. The scripture says this, that the tongue has the power of life and death. 
I was at the Billy Graham Memorial Library in Charlotte a couple weeks ago, and it was going through his life and had uh, his wife Ruth. Uh, it was they had a whole room dedicated to her, and it was it was great she, hearing a little bit about their life and growing up. And they asked her a question. They said, um, did, "Did you and Billy ever talk about divorce?" He said, "Divorce, no. Murder, yes." <laughs> In other words, there were just certain things they were not going to speak in their home, and divorce was one of those. I just feel I'd tell somebody, take that off of the table. Let your home be a place of peace where we've made up in our mind, we're not speaking that over our destiny. We're not speaking that over our future. We're not speaking words that are tearing down. We're speaking words that are building up. I heard the story of a pastor that was studying at home one afternoon, and he should have been playing with his kids. His kids were wanting his attention so bad, and he was ignoring them and really being a terrible father at that moment, thinking he was saving the world by you know writing a sermon or whatever. And his wife looked at his boys and said this, Sons, your father is a great man. And he's doing a great work. He's doing a great thing. And that message is going to touch a lot of people. Let's give him a little bit of time. And what did she do? She was speaking the positive because she could have easily tore him down in that moment in front of her, in front of his sons. But he said, he was using this as a testimony. He said, whenever she did that, she said, he said, it just calls, called me to something greater. And she said, I, he said, I just put up my papers. I shut them on the table. And I gave my attention to my kids. What was that? That lady decided to speak life. She had life and death in her tongue. See, the devil has planned for your destruction. God has planned for your success. But you cast the deciding vote with what you say. Here's the fifth way that we shut the door. Here's the fifth way that we shut the... Here's the fifth door we need to shut emotionally. Emotionally. I said it earlier about the tension in marriage, how we attack whenever we're married and we have our differences. But here's the reality. In so many times in our relationships, we never allow God to heal us. And it's a door that's open. We get married much in the order like I showed yet last week. If you missed last week... Man, check out the podcast. We talked about how we build our lives on the wrong foundation. And sometimes I think we build it all the wrong way. And, and, and we ourselves haven't allowed God to deal with our own issues of abuse, of bitterness, of, of, of hurt from past relationships, maybe a previous marriage, maybe someone who abused us whenever we were younger. And, and, and we're, we're throwing all of our hurt and pain and we're putting it all in the middle of our relationship. And, and because what, what was inside of us is what we will bring to our marriage. So if we're angry, we're going to bring that to our marriage. If we're bitter and anxious, we're going to bring that to our relationships. And I just wanted to say that's a door. That's a door. What's the tone of your home? Is it, is it tense? Is it full of peace? What's the tone of your home? Because... Some out of control, emotional roller coaster type home situation is an open door for the enemy to come in. Fighting, bickering, anger, 
that, that, that maybe that's how you grew up, maybe that's just kind of the norm, if I could just encourage you, don't let your kids see you fight. Don't let your kids see you. See, see, don't, don't live in this emotional state consistently. The, Philippians 4, 7, I just want to give this to somebody here today. It says, the peace of God, the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I just want to encourage someone, you need the peace of God in your home. I want the peace of God to rest in my life, in my life. And this isn't just for those of us that are married. Here's how we shut the door emotionally, is we let God heal us. Is there anything in your life, an open wound, that you're not allowing God to heal? If so, that is an open door for the enemy to come in. If you're single, he'll come in with some relationship that will connect with you emotionally. Because you're still trying to be completed by another person and still allowing God to fix you and to complete you. See, marriage is not about two incomplete people completing each other. That's what the world says. Christian marriage is about two people who've been completed in Christ coming together to change the world together. It's not about two broken people that, oh, their brokenness completes one another because we're all broken in different places. If I broke two plates, no two plates would ever just magically fit together. But, but, but what we do, we give our broken pieces to God. He makes us a whole, and then together we allow God to use us to make a difference. Here's, here's, here's the fifth door we need to shut. We need to shut the door mentally. We need to shut the door mentally. We shut the door mentally by doing this, by guarding our thoughts. Guarding our thoughts. Philippians 4.8 says, You'll do best by filling your minds, by meditating on what's true, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. So simply put this, in our relationships, in our marriages, in, 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 in our lives, there are always going to be things we could focus on that are ugly, that are the worst, that are things that you would like to curse, and I'm just being real. And, 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 and vice versa, your spouse could do the exact same thing about you. God's Word says, mentally, we don't need to go down certain roads that are leading us to negative places, but we rather choose to focus on the best part about our spouse we choose to focus on the things that we want to praise about our spouse, the things we want to bless about our spouse. That's where we put our mental focus and energy. I hope this is helping somebody here today, that we put our focus there. In other words, we don't take trains of thought leading to other places. I say this a lot, but it's so such a good illustration that, that thoughts are like trains. They take you somewhere. And none of us would get on a train without knowing first where it was going but many times we get on trains of thought about our spouse that takes us to other places that we should never be. Or we get on thoughts about other people that are not our spouse that take us to places that we should never be. See, if we're married, we should think things like this. I, I put a list for me. I'm married to the greatest wife in the world. Twelve years we've been married, and we're just getting started. This is a big year for me. My parents were married 11 years, and, and this year... We 
there's so many times in my life I felt like the enemy just said, oh, you're just, you're, you know, you're, you come from a broken home, you're just going to have a broken home. You come from a broken home, you're just going to have a broken home. And guys, this is, this is the year. I just felt like I told Kara, I said, this is the year. I said, we're celebrating the God who, who, can, who can break us and it, who can break the things from our past and allow us to step into our future and our destiny. And if I could just say this to somebody, I, it doesn't matter what you came from. It doesn't matter what your past is like. Maybe you've made a mistake in your marriage, in your relationship. Maybe you're past. Hey, you, you feel like that, oh, I've made too many mistakes for God to ever use me. God's not finished with you yet. The best is yet to come. That God's got a purpose and plan. If you just trust Him. If you're single, you need to think that stuff like this. I'm treasured by Almighty God. My best days are ahead. God has a plan and purpose for my life. I am complete in Christ Jesus. I am growing into the person that God's created me to be. I will leave a legacy of faith and God is using my life. Scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, so, so as a marriage, we need to shut the door on some of those mental things that we're thinking negatively about our marriage, about our relationship, and begin to think, begin to praise, begin to shut these doors along the way. Musicians, you could come. It says this, back to David's story, it says, But David strengthened himself in the Lord. And he said to Abiathar, the priest, Shall I pursue the troop? Shall I overtake them? And it says, And he answered them, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Here's what I love about David. David went to God about a no-brainer. David went to God about something that was just a no-brainer. Most of us, we would just run into, we would just run into it and say, Well, my family's out. I'm going to go after him. But David says, no, Lord, I love David's heart. That's one of the scriptures says David was a man after God's own heart. He said, Lord, I value your voice so much. He says, hey, can I do this? Can I get my family back, God? See, so many of us, we've been striving trying to get our family back. We've been striving trying to get our joy back. We've been striving trying to get our peace back. We've been striving trying to get some kind of a thing in our lives back. And David said, okay, God, I want your voice in my life more than I want even my family. It's powerful. I want your voice in my life even more than I want my stuff back, my kids back, my, 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 my family back. God's word came to David and said, Pursue. You will surely overtake and without fail recover all. I just feel like that's a word for somebody here this morning that the enemy's taken some things from you. Maybe you've left some doors open along the way and, and, and the enemy's come in and through some of these doors and while I'm preaching today, you're like, yep, yep. I wish I would have heard this before. But God says, pursue. It doesn't matter what your past has been. If you're taking notes today, the last note is simply this. It's not too late to recover all. It's not too late to recover all. So if I could just encourage somebody this morning to start today. Maybe you got a long you've been married a long time and you just settled into this 
marriage, but it's not full of life. It's not what you dreamed it would be, and you should, you know it's not what God would purpose it to be. If I could just encourage somebody here this morning, it's not too late to recover all. It's not too late. It's not too late to shut some doors. Maybe you need to swallow your pride. You say finances is a thing, it's a door. Maybe maybe swallow some pride and say, I need to get some help. Or maybe you got some emotional issues and you need to connect with a counselor and let allow God to heal some of the things in you instead of just bringing all this stuff into your marriage. What, what's the door this morning that you need to shut? Because God says there's hope today. The rest of your life truly can be the best of your life. And David, yeah, you made some mistakes along the way, but I still love you. You're still the person I'm going to anoint king. You're still the person I say it's after my own heart. You see, church, if I could say this this morning, God's not interested in your perfection. As a matter of fact, he knew how broken you were whenever he called you. He made you, as a matter of fact. He's just looking for your honesty. He's just looking for you to say, God, I'm tired of putting some facade up. I need you. Can I take over, God? I'm sorry. I was with the enemy. Can, am I going to get my family back? Am I going to get my joy back? Am I going to get my life back? God says, surely you're going to recover all today. I want to pray for you this morning. Whatever you are, whatever you're facing here today, God says you can recover all. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this time that we have spent together in your presence. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you don't throw us away just because we made some mistakes along the way. Lord, thank you that you give us some instruction for how to build our lives, how to build our families, that you have a good plan for our future. Lord, I bless these amazing people that are here this morning at City Hills. God, would you build our lives? God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak to hearts and lives here this morning? God, families that are on the rocks. Lord, marriages that are on the rocks. Lord, marriages that are crippled by debt. Marriages that are crippled emotionally and that verbally and all of these different things. Lord, these doors that the enemy's coming in. We just say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And enemy, you have to get out of this house. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we stand to our feet all over the house today? feel like there's somebody here today that you you needed you need to let the enemy know not today get out of my house my grandmother I can remember she was she was she's she is an incredible woman of God and man stuff would get crazy going on in our family and I just remember she'd get the broom open the front door and she'd say devil get out of this house somebody needs to tell the devil to get out of your house today Somebody needs to tell the devil, get out of your mind today because you're locking the doors and it's not his house. This is the house that God has. This is the house that God wants to do something mighty in and through your life. We're going to sing this song together. As we do, if you need prayer for any area of your life, this is the most important part of the service. 
because this is the moment where God does a healing work in our lives. And if you need prayer for any area of your life or your family or your relationships or you just need healing in your body or salvation, whatever you need, why don't you come down and pray? Or maybe you just need to step out of your seat and come down and worship God and pray. But together all over the house, before we go, let's just respond to our great God and King. Father, I pray you draw anyone who needs prayer today in Jesus' name. Church, let's respond before we go. What a beautiful name.